0: thank you for listening to the servants of christ jesus podcast today's episode features father paul kosca and brother thomas gonzaga sharing about the annual eight-day spiritual exercises to learn more about the servants of christ jesus please visit scjesus.org hi and welcome to the servants of christ jesus podcast i'm edward lugo the project manager for the servants and today father paul Costca and brother thomas gonzaga are joining me to share about the annual 8-Day Silent Spiritual Exercises. Welcome back, guys.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having us. Of course. My pleasure.
0: All right, to start things off, today we're talking about the annual 8-Day, which is a commitment that the servants, it's a formation experience for you guys. To start off, because for for some people this is going to be completely foreign, completely brand new, uh, and people who are listening, they might not know what an 8-Day retreat is, they might not know what the exercises are. So, Father Paul, can you just explain what the eight-day silent spiritual exercises of Saint Ignatius is?
1: So, the spiritual exercises are a encounter with the Lord, where uh, you take time uh, to meditate on the life of Jesus. And Saint Ignatius basically wrote a manual called the Spiritual Exercises for how you make uh, a thirty-day. Um, we do that as a one-time experience um, at the sometime early on in our formation, and then. On a regular basis, on an annual basis, we take time to be with the Lord, uh, to contemplate his face, uh, to get to know him better. And the idea behind it fundamentally is, you know, we need to take time away from the busyness of the rest of life uh, to focus exclusively on Jesus. Now, right now with COVID going on, you know, there's not as much going on, but like the normal rhythm of life, you know, outside of a time of pandemic, like is is pretty busy, pretty nonstop with the different ministry things that we do, and so it's really an opportunity to step aside from all of that and to really renew our own devotion to the Lord.
0: To kind of break open a little bit more of like what an eight day looks like. How do you like? How does the encounter with the Lord
2: take place throughout those eight days? So, Brother Thomas, can you kind of speak into that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. So. Father Paul mentioned that Ignatius wrote the spiritual exercises, which was originally meant to be a 30 day retreat, but an eight day is a condensed version of that. So the, stu- the structure though is the same. Every day there are about four or five hours of prayer um, that you will go through in the day. And the way you do that is by praying in a method called Ignatian contemplation. And so for example... Um, you'll read a passage from scripture. We'll choose Luke 5, 1 through 12, uh, the calling of Saint Peter on the water in the boat. And so you'll have like a prayer where you ask God for grace to lead and guide the meditation. And then you'll read through the passage. And so you'll, you'll read Peter in the boat with Jesus and Jesus has put the net on the one side of the boat and he has this huge catch of fish and Peter is amazed and he falls on his face and he says, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. Um, and Jesus says, don't be afraid. Now you're going to be catching men. And so this call of St. Peter. And so after you read it, the gift of the spiritual exercises, what you will do for four or five times, uh, during for eight days is, <laughs> is, is read a passage and then, Put yourself into the scene. And this is what is characteristic of Ignatian contemplation, Mm -hmm. um, that you will, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, use your imagination uh, to place yourself there. And so perhaps you will will be St. Peter, and the Lord will be talking to you specifically and saying, hey, put your net onto the right side of the boat. Um, Or maybe you're just a spectator, um, and you're seeing this interaction between Peter and Jesus. But the idea is, Um, that you are entering in as the Holy Spirit leads you. Um, And all of this is leading up to the highlight of the hour, which is what Ignatius calls the colloquy or conversation. So you and Jesus can dialogue. You and one of the saints can dialogue. um, And through this, this is how you, as Father Paul said, encounter the face of Christ and come to know him more. Um, And so that's what the structure, I hope that answered your question. Yeah, yeah,
0: it makes sense. And so it's kind of like, I mean, we obviously weren't present at the Gospels, and so in order to encounter the reality of what's happening in the Gospel, you know, you can read the dialogue, mm-hmm. but but in a certain sense, and I don't want to say it's exactly like this, but it's in a certain sense, it's like it's like taking a history book and turning it into a movie, yes, so that you can kind of like encounter it, you know, in a more profound way. I mean, spot obviously, there's on, some that. differences spot on. there, but yeah, 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 okay, um, just to kind of understand what's going on. Um, so I think that. Uh, something that makes people a little bit leery about, like using your imagination in prayer with Jesus, is is you know ask yourself like how do I know this is actually Jesus talking? Like how do I know that I'm not just making this up? And like, what if I look at Jesus and he has blonde hair instead of brown hair? You know, or like, how can I like responsibly I- interact? Because you know some of the scripture passages are there are a couple of verses, so it's not like this deep dialogue with Jesus where, you know, you can spend an hour in conversation, you know, without having to like fill in some of the details. So so how do you like responsibly use that in in, in the exercises? What are kind of some of the, the practical steps that maybe Ignatius or even just, you know, uh, modern day adaptations of the exercises, how do you responsibly use your imagination and prayer with Jesus?
1: So I think overarching what I would say is that You know, you're in the one of the fundamental things you do at the beginning of any contemplation is it's a preparatory prayer where you offer all of your actions and intentions and operations to the Lord. I'm basically just saying, like, everything I think, say, and do during this time of prayer, I'm offering it to Jesus. So before I even try to imagine anything, I'm offering my imagination to Jesus. And I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit is going to lead and guide me because I'm entrusting myself to the Lord. Uh, the other kind of real practical thing is you're bringing everything in the context of a discernment with a spiritual director and so it's not like you if you have something that's disconcerting or confusing or what have you you can bring that to your director and they can kind of walk you through like is this from the lord is this maybe you know not from the lord and and so you don't have to like it's not like you're necessarily publishing your prayer times and claiming that any particular contemplation is like everybody has to, you know, understand the gospel in relation to my one meditation on my eight day, but it's more personal encounter with the Lord. It's a, it's a personal devotion, but all of it's rooted in the gospels rooted in the teaching of the church and something approved by, you know, by the church as a, you know, St. Ignatius was canonized and then, you know the spiritual exercises have been a formative experience for a number of the saints throughout history saints not just jesuits but like people like saint francis de sales was profoundly impacted by the exercises and so that's one kind of way of thinking about it and and not being overly worried one because it's an approved sort of method of the church but then also the fact that you're entrusting everything to the lord and then giving it uh, all to your spiritual director as a as a person to bounce things off of. Yeah. And on a real practical level, like I haven't had like in the eight days that I've made, it's not like I've had a ton of experiences where I went completely off track, you know, in my prayers. So I haven't had it be like a major concern in my Mm -hmm. own prayer times. There's been like times on retreats when I'm just like sitting around or making a meal or something where I have thoughts that kind of, you know, are confusing to me. But within the actual like prayer times, the actual times of meditation, I haven't found that there's like a ton of like things that are just yeah super confusing. Yeah. So you're basically giving your, your will and your
0: imagination to the Lord. And then you're, you're rooting it in scripture and then you're like filtering it through a director. And then you're also like thinking within the mind and the heart of the church. So so you're not, it's not like Jesus is like, Father Paul, I want you to be a football player. You know, like that's obviously not your vocation right now. Not that you couldn't. <laughs> um, you know, each servant makes an eight day annually. I guess, you know, one of my questions is just how, how does that work? Like, where do you guys do this? You know, do you just do a silent retreat in your house? Do you go somewhere? Do you all do it at the same time? Because there's, you know, right now there's six of you. Like, how does that work? And who directs them?
1: So we often will try to coordinate multiple retreats you know, for multiple servants at the same time, but it doesn't necessarily always work out exactly that way. Um, and so sometimes we're making an eight-day together, a portion of us, uh, but sometimes we'll just make a retreat on our own. Uh, the three kind of necessary things are, are basically a time set aside, a place to make it, and then a person to direct it. And so, where it is, when it is, and who is directing it is is the things that we try to figure out. Uh, normally, it'll be somebody who has directed the exercises a number of times that will ask. Sometimes it's internally, so Father John will often direct people making the eight day. But uh, sometimes, you know, it's somebody outside. So most recently. The two most recent directors I've had, one was Carol Brown at the Sioux Spiritual Center, which I highly recommend if anybody ever needs to make an and The servants aren't able to uh, host them. You know, Carol's up at the Sioux Spiritual Center in South Dakota. It's a great, great resource. Um, so I made my retreat up there at that retreat center with Carol as a director, who we had known since our Steubenville years. And then the year before that, I made it made my eight day under the direction of father John author, who's a Jesuit out in California and a, a great spiritual director as well. And so both of those times were, you know, I was in different States under different directors, but f- generally following the spiritual exercises and the guidance that Ignatius gives. And so, so that's kind of the, the basic things is sometimes we're making the retreat here in Colorado, but often it's wherever there's availability of a director.
0: So each retreat it sounds like for you guys you have an individual director and then prayer a number of prayer periods. So can you explain just kind of like like what that looks like? How many holy hours do you do? How often do you meet with your director? Can you just kind of take me through a typical day of of an 8-day silent retreat?
2: Sure. So yeah, you know, as I mentioned there's going to be about 4 or 5 hours of prayer and you're going to meet with your director once a day um who's going to help direct your prayer to tell you which passages to pray with so a typical day day in the life of an eight day you might wake up around 5 30 do a holy hour at 6 a.m from 6 to 7 and then you might have mass like at 7 15 and then at 8 o'clock you might meet with your spiritual director or might you have breakfast first yeah <laughs> you'll probably have breakfast at 8 and then like at 8 30 you'll meet with your director from 8 30 to 9 30 um, sometimes it goes a little bit longer than an hour, depending on what the Lord's doing. And so then you might have another prayer for, so a second hour from 10 to 11. And then typically we try and get some exercise, uh, because, um, mind, heart, soul, body, it all works together. And so it's very helpful to get some physical exercise. And so that might take you, um, I can't remember a time it is like 11 to noon or 1230 and then Uh, we make what's called a midday examination of conscience, which is, uh, the Ignatian examine prayer where you review, um, God's blessings of the day. And then you see, how can I live my life more like Jesus going forward? And so that's 15 minutes in the middle of the day. Then you might have another prayer period from two to three. Um, that's hour three, a break, um, maybe another one from like, 4.30 to 5.30 before supper, and then you'll have supper in the evening time. Um, Perhaps you have to make it. It depends on the retreat, whether you're by yourself or if you're with a group of people. Um, That depends. Um, You'll fit that into your schedule. And then typically we have what's called a conference in the evening. So the retreat director will give essentially like a sermon or a homily, um, but related to the exercises that is helpful for those who are making the exercises to grow in the uh, Ignatian spirituality or um, understand what's going on in the retreat at that point. And then, um, and then you'll go to bed around nine thirty or something. Um, and sometimes you have prayer in the middle of the night, which is also really beautiful. So you might have a meditation from midnight till 1am and that'd be hour five. <laughs> so five
0: holy hours in a day, mm-hmm. isn't, that exhausting i mean yes like how, how do you <laughs> and it's awesome
2: <laughs>
0: how, how how do you like go from holy hour to holy hour and and not just just be t- like tired and wiped out and like find the energy to
1: to to go through each holy hour so yeah there there is a a reality of a transition into and out of the eight day you know so like the first day you're probably not going to be as in the groove as you are in two through seven or whatever and then at the end at least in my experience you know there's it's a bit challenging the last 24 hours or whatever because you are aware of the fact that it's about to end you're gonna have to transition back to normal life and then right in the days after the retreat it can be a little bit overwhelming of like yeah. So, so you have to transition in and then transition out. And, uh, but once you're kind of in the midst of it, I found that it just kind of, you, I found it helpful to just have like a rather regular rhythm of like, mm-hmm. all right, I'm going to have this, the director is giving me this set schedule. And so there's, while it is challenging, there's also like, I know what I have ahead of me. I know like, okay, I've got these two meditations, so I'm going to give what I have. And, um, the other thing too, on a practical level is like, especially when the Lord is giving grace and consolation and doing beautiful things in prayer, there's like a, a motivation to keep going, you know, Mm -hmm. when there's desolating times, you know, that's when I think it takes the extra sort of human effort to really strive, you know? Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. One thing father John says a lot is, they're called spiritual exercises <laughs> for a reason, right? So you're having to work your 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 will to pray out of love for God. Um, so you need grace, and then, to be honest, Ed, naps, naps, <laughs> are how you make it through. <laughs> I never do any naps. Wow, in <laughs> <laughs> Father Paul's heroic and generous. He's a
0: vet. He's a yeah. He's been doing this a lot longer than you. But
2: but I do <laughs> get. I mean, I do go out and get exercise. Like there, yeah. the, you you have to do
1: something. In addition to like just sitting in yeah. a room outside of your prayer times, like it's important to walk around, yeah. you know, especially if you've got beautiful outdoor stuff that you can can do. There's there's important things to kind of keep your mental yeah. uh, health in yeah. the midst of it. So um,
0: now, in terms of holy hours and prayer, so we talked a little bit about how you can meditate on the life of Jesus. Uh, how does that work in a typical eight day? Is it just kind of like gospel roulette? You just like flip open and point to a passage. Like I'm gonna meditate on this. Like how how does that work? Is there a structure? Is there a method or a rhythm to it?
1: Yeah. So the method is and rhythm is based on the thirty day as a model. In a thirty day, there's four weeks. The meditations on one's sinfulness and on the punishment of sin and of hell the second week being the life of Jesus, the third week being the passion and the fourth week being the glorious mysteries of the rosary, basically the the resurrection of Jesus in an eight day. Your director has to be discerning about, are you going to attempt to do like a miniature, like 30 day where you're doing two days of each of those four weeks, or are you going to do, you know, the first, so it can be organized in different ways, but For somebody who's made the 30 day, you know, there's less of like a pressure of like, I have to get through a miniature version of, of the 30 day itself. And so, so I've had a number of eight day retreats where I basically did mostly meditations from the first and second week, you know, and then there's been other eight days where I've done like a miniature 30 day where I'm getting two days of each. And so it really varies and, and just kind of depends on, what the Lord is doing in your present prayer. Um, and that's part of what the director is doing is, you know, helping you to see and and kind of identifying as, as your director, where is this person at? What do they need in this present time to prepare well for whatever the Lord is having them do after. So, you know, to give you kind of a unique example, I made an eight day right before I got ordained. So there's a canonical retreat that's required for anybody getting ordained, which is normally five days, but we just kind of combined the canonical retreat we had to do with the eight day that we needed to do. And so, so there's sometimes, you know, in the life of a servant where there's a unique sort of threshold happening soon. And so there might be a particular focus in that eight day. Another eight day that I made that was kind of unique was there was an eight day prior to taking perpetual vows. So I went into that eight day with like an extra attentiveness to, I'm trying to discern, you know, is the Lord calling me to take perpetual vows? And so on that eight day, which happened, I think in like 2010, 2011, I took vows in 2011, I think. Uh, I'm old and can't remember. Uh, but but on that retreat, the Lord answered my prayer. And like I had a meditation uh, with Jesus where he was on the mountaintop praying and like Jesus told me, I want you to be a servant forever. And so I, I discerned the thir- on my 30 day that I was called to take initial vows and like, you know, all of that. But then years later I was making another eight day to kind of do a final confirmation of the Lord's call in my life, you know, to be a servant. So, yeah. And most, like you had said, most of the eight days you've done,
0: incorporate the first week, which is sin and like meditating on sin and hell. And then the second week, which is the life of Jesus up until the point of the passion. Is that right? Yeah, That's correct. Yeah. 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 All right. So I want to talk a little bit about the silent part of the retreat, because what I found is that whenever I talk to people about the eight day silent retreat, the eight days of silence is just terrifying to people. Uh, Brother Thomas, can you just speak into that silent part? I guess, first, can you talk to anyone? I mean, can you talk to yourself? But also, you know, just, is it hard? You know, is it fruitful? What are the fruits? Things like that.
2: Absolutely. Uh, I love the gift of silence. I'm very uh, on fire for silence because it's so important in order to meet the Lord. And so, yes, it is an eight day of silence, uh, but the silence isn't the goal the silence isn't um the end of it it's actually silence is the best way by which we can come to know and hear the voice of jesus and so it's it's helpful to be in silence um and even more than silence i think ignatius would want us to be in solitude but frequently we're making it with other people and so silence is the best way to bring about this solitude um you're you're not allowed to talk to anyone on the retreat apart from your director um so that apart from that hour with your director um you're not in conversation with people um which can be very daunting and does take some time of transition like father paul was saying and i remember my first eight day that was a big scare in my head before i started it was can i really be silent for eight days i love to talk it's 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 great to visit with people to laugh what's going to happen um, And while there were challenging times, what I found was that there is a great gift in silence. Um, the, the world that we live in is so filled with noise that it's very difficult to begin to hear Jesus in a consistent way. And the silence creates a space in order for the Lord to speak. Um, and it's amazing how clear his words are In silence, it's amazing to me. I remember reading the scriptures uh, in my first eight day, and all the words were just popping off the page because I had created a space for the living word to speak. And so that word, who is the Logos, who is Jesus, wants to speak to us, but there's so much uh, media, there's so much noise that my phone is going off. There's, you know, television, there's internet, there's media. It's just so. Uh, distracting, so invading, and, 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 and God dwells in silence, as Cardinal Seurat says. So if you haven't read The Power of Silence Against the Dictatorship of Noise by Cardinal Seurat, please, please, please read it. It's so beautiful. Um, but he speaks there about that God um, dwells in silence, the Trinity's in silence, the grass grows in silence, um, the, the candle by the tabernacle flickers in silence. And so to enter into that really is to enter into God in a new way. And so if you've never made a silent retreat, even if it's just for two days, I really encourage you to try that Uh, because it's amazing when you turn off all the other noise, what's most important in your soul can come to the surface and the Lord wants to speak to that. The Lord wants to heal that the Lord wants to love you there. So,
0: so the silence is for the purpose of, of solitude to hear the voice of the Lord. And that includes reduction of noise. So I assume that includes things like, I mean, like obviously you can text in silence, but that's still mm. like noise. So mm. I assume it means like, like removing technology, you know, and it what, what does that mean about other noise? Like, what if I wanted to read like a romance novel on my <laughs> eight day? You know, can you, maybe not me, but somebody, somebody else. Romantic, Ed. <laughs> yeah. Can you do that? <laughs>
2: no, <laughs> no, you can't. Um, so you're, you're right. Yeah. So you don't use any media. You don't, you turn off your phone. Mm-hmm. You're turning off distractions. Mm-hmm. And um, if you want to go out and sing praise and worship, that is a great gift. Man is created to praise God, as any nature says. And so you just want to do that. Far away enough that no one else can hear you. If there's other retreatants, um, but people who can play guitar, it's fine to do that. Um, you know, not twenty four seven, but you know, to take some time to praise. And then uh, you you mentioned a romance novel. So when Ignatius went through his conversion on his bed um, when he was healing from surgery, he had two books available to him: uh, the Life of Christ and then Lives of the Saints. And in reading Life of Christ and reading Lives of the Saints. Um, he would say later on, oh, well, St. Francis went barefoot and begged. I must do that. And St. Dominic did this. I must do that. And so in the spiritual exercises during an eight day, uh, we are limited to reading the life of Christ and and lives of the saints. And those are the most edifying to read during an eight day.
1: And, and I guess I'd point out that we sort of are like servants of the strict observance mm-hmm. in, in the sense that, the way that we go about doing the spiritual exercises, we're more kind of intentional about the solitude and silence maybe than, mm-hmm. it's not like everybody who's ever made an eight day, you know, wouldn't necessarily be as, as specific as we are about yeah. it. And it's not like it's an invalid way if, if, mm-hmm. but we, as a community and the way that we direct people, if they're making an eight day under us is we follow this sort of path of extra intentionality and, Extra intentionality about solitude and about what you are reading and all of that, because we've found it to be most fruitful that that's how we go about doing it. But there are some people that make it in a more casual fashion, and but we've found that the most fruitful way for us to make the eight days and the thirty days to be, you know, extra intentional about the things we're describing. So, yeah. so for
0: most people who do an eight day. That is literally a -a once-in-a-lifetime experience, something that, like, I mean, let alone a 30-day, but even just eight days for most people to just get away from everything in silence and solitude is not something most people can do. But for you, you guys do it every single year. And Father Paul, you've been a servant for, like, 15 years, so you've done, like, 15 eight-day silent retreats. So, I I mean, I have to ask, does it get old? Does it get repetitive? Like, how is it— how is it different from year to year?
1: yeah, so there is a reality of of recognizing you know after having made the eight day many times like that it's not gonna be the same sort of new and fresh. I have no idea what what's you know what I'm doing, or you know when i'm like when I made the thirty day, like everything was new, I never made the thirty day before I had never made an eight day before I made the thirty day, so So there is a recognition like the longer you're making these eight days that it's like when you go for if you're like a marathon runner and you have done multiple marathons, there's something regular about it. Um, And at the same time, like every every year, there's new things going on every every time I've made the eight day. There's different things that have just happened or transitions that are coming up in my own life or. Areas of my life where the Lord is purifying me, and so, so there is new things that that happen, um, but it's not like every meditation on every eight day is like completely mind blowing and everything. But there is, I've found like a ongoing connection with the Lord. And at least for me, too, like on a certain way, it kind of anchors me back, like, you know, over the course of between each eight day, there's a little bit of spiritual drifting, you know. And so I think the eight day on an annual basis, for me, at least, is a way to kind of bring me back to Jesus and more because it's that time of exclusively focusing on Jesus. And whereas in other times of life, I'm I'm regularly, you know, focusing on Jesus, but you know, it's, it's extra kind of centered in the Lord during that time. And so I've found it to be helpful in that way, but I have had, you know, meditations where I'm like, you know, I've done this nativity thing 20 times or whatever. And so I have to like be open to whatever Jesus is trying to tell me in the present moment. So for anyone who doesn't know
0: this, you know, the, one of the primary focuses of your guys's apostolic mission is there's preaching, teaching and providing spiritual exercises. How do you guys provide spiritual exercises for individuals? What are the avenues, the arenas, the places that you guys do that?
1: Yeah, so most recently, thanks to the support of our our donors and everybody, we were able to renovate part of our house and create a hermitage area where we can direct one person on a retreat. Because one of the things we found challenging in years past, because we didn't, we don't have a second like place anywhere. We don't own like a second property where we can host retreats. Uh, we were finding it difficult sometimes with the amount of requests we were getting to be able to sufficiently serve people. And so the hermitage in our house is a like mini retreat center that's within our own property that people can make an eight day there. Uh, we'll Often people will have requests to make eight days and so we'll try to coordinate Multiple requests to take place, you know, to host at a retreat center, so at different different places in Colorado, occasionally different places around the country, where we'll work with a already existing retreat center to provide an eight day for people uh, who have been asking for it.
0: You know, in closing, I just want to ask, what's the greatest fruit that uh, you can speak to, not just about the exercises, you know, but about your commitment to an annual. Uh, exercises. I know you kind of talked a little bit about that, Father Paul, about that like reconnecting and, and and for Brother Thomas. I mean, what's the what's the greatest fruit of of a repetitive annual eight day that you that you've experienced?
2: God is full of surprises and God is full of love and God never stops giving uh, more and more gifts. And so, the greatest fruit of coming to an eight day every year is that. I get to grow closer to jesus and jesus comes close to me um and so there's new graces there's new things to be found and i love it because you never know when the lord's going to say something that just blows you away right father paul wasn't expecting jesus to say hey be a servant forever when you know he's on the mountaintop with him but that that simple moment you know in the quiet where father paul is praying with jesus and the Lord calls them to take perpetual vows. I mean, it's just, there, there are all kinds of graces. Now that's like a supernatural grace of like, here's your vocation, but, but there's also simple things too. And so, um, God loves every soul. He dwells within every single soul and, um, he, he wants to speak to you. And the truth is, is that every single person can hear him, right? This is not just some exclusive thing for a servant. Any any person who's willing can hear and encounter Jesus. And so the greatest grace of an annual eight day is that you go closer to Jesus. You know him more, you love him more, and you follow him more.
1: No, I mean, I, I would echo what he's saying about just the the Lord can do new and beautiful things. And and uh, St. John of the Cross talks about how, Je- how the mystery of Jesus and Jesus himself is like a mind that can be, And there's always like more. There's always more to know about the Lord. There's always more to encounter. um, And and so, the Lord is infinite, right? So and I'm finite. So when I encounter the Lord, there's always something new I can learn from from Him and to grow in relationship with Him. Um, So so yeah.
0: All right. Well, thank you to the two of you for sharing about this formation experience of the servants. It's uh, been a great blessing to just sit and hear your guys's. Uh, annual experience, because I, you know, an annual eight-day, I'm kind of jealous. I wish I could do an annual eight-day every year. Well, that's it for today. Um, Next week, Father James Claver will be joining me as he shares about the teaching apostolate of the servants of Christ Jesus. As always, you can find homilies, talks, and podcasts from the servants at scjesus.org. Thank you to the two of you for joining me.
1: Thanks, Thanks, Ed. Peace.